1: You know you have to choose it and you know it's hard i think there was a hunger in me there was a desire just to make a difference there was a desire
0: to not just be status quo a desire to not be average this is conquering columbus
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Conquering Columbus. On this episode, we have Jay Klaus, and I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Mike Minucci. Let me give you guys a little bit of background on Jay. Go
0: for it, Mike. Hey, thanks, Josh. Jay came to Columbus for his undergraduate degree at Ohio State University, where he earned his degree from the Fisher College of Business. While he was there, he founded his first company, Market OSU, which was similar to Craigslist, but only for Ohio State students. And for the last two years, he's been the COO of Tixers, an online ticket marketplace that was acquired in 2015 by 1UP Sports. Currently, he's working in the Columbus startup community through the Create Columbus Commission and Columbus Startup Weekend to help drive innovation and shape the future of our city. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Jay.
2: Hey guys, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that nice intro. Yes,
1: yeah, so you've know. been you were running, all, running all around today for uh, Startup Week. A little exhausted that we got you here, but... Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it's been... Uh, uh, it's been an exciting three days so far of Startup Week. A lot of good panels. The venue is beautiful. Yeah. Um, wi Fi is strong, which is important if you're working from Startup Week. <laughs> so great. it's been like super impressive. Have you been working from there all week then? Pretty much. Uh, I, I had to take some calls and do some errands yesterday morning, but otherwise I've been working from there all week. Um, it's been challenging just because of the velocity of conversations you want to have with people. Yeah. Um, but like super rewarding, super good. It's been great. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, so walking in that venue, one thing I was curious about, did they build that out just for that, or was that already built out like that? It's called The View, right?
2: Yeah, so View is uh, relatively new in that space. It was, a at one time, a music venue, a okay. s- kind of strange CD music venue. I saw a concert there probably five or six years ago. The Wombats played there when it was called Outlands, uh, and it was a kind of dirty place. But they've completely gutted it, changed it, um, into an event space where they do weddings and graduations and parties of different types motive a local event is held there and so it's beautiful and perfect for this event specifically last year they had lots of different hubs for those events and to have 110 plus events pretty much all within that roof over five days is pretty impressive and awesome
0: yeah that's awesome Absolutely. you know and you got a lot of people out there coming to these events that are looking to network and mm-hmm. looking to talk to people what do you have any advice for them i know you you know, you do a pretty good job reaching out to people and meeting people while you're at these events.
1: Yeah. So maybe even
0: give some background. I mean, cut you off, maybe give some background on for listeners
1: who aren't aware of what Startup Week is all about and like true. who sponsors it and stuff. It. Sure,
2: yeah. sure. Yeah, so Startup Week is a program under an organization called Up Global. Up Global is a global organization that started with an event called Startup Weekend, which was founded in Boulder in about 2007 by Andrew Hyde. Um, and that was an idea where you bring in A whole bunch of people, in Columbus we generally have 100 to 125 people of various backgrounds, design, development, law, marketing, business, lots of different backgrounds. But those folks come in on a Friday night, they're invited to pitch an idea for up to 60 seconds. Then after we have 60 to 80 pitches, the teams, or actually the individuals, vote on their favorite ideas. Pairs it down to about 12 or 15 ideas. And then teams form around those ideas and build that prototype, do market validation, design um, for the next two-ish days. And then mm-hmm. on Sunday night, they pitch that. So that was the first program that evolved into a global organization called UpGlobal. They do those weekends all around the world, every weekend, all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And more recently, they piloted a new program called Startup Week, which, interestingly enough, was also started by Andrew Hyde in Boulder, Um where it's kind of just a celebration of the startup community here. Mm -hmm. They bring in a lot of community partners, a lot of business owners. Um, Idea being just let's celebrate our city. It's a completely unowned event. There's no one entity that puts it on and is trying to gain value from doing it. It's very much owned by the community. Chase Bank has put up um, the funding to sponsor, I think it's either five or seven cities to do these events. And those events are the biggest startup weeks that happen nationally. Um, Columbus is lucky enough to be one of those cities that has Chase's backing. So this is our second year doing it. We have, like I said, 100 plus events in that space with 175-ish speakers divided against all the panels and everything, happy hours. And it's a really great opportunity for people that are in startups to come and learn from each other, meet each other, or people that are interested in it. Even people from corporate America that want to learn how to do some innovation or just learn some skills that they don't already have. Um, there's something for everybody truly, and a great opportunity to meet people in the community that you wouldn't regularly have access to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: it's a really good event, you know. And um, while we're on that topic, I did have a question I want to ask you about a little bit tying into Chase, mm-hmm. um, sponsoring the event. But uh, do you think why do you think Columbus specifically in the Midwest and Ohio has kind of built a reputation as a startup city? Sure,
2: uh, in in honestly, it's that's kind of a controversial moniker in my opinion, but what Columbus has going for it is it's test city USA for decades and decades. This has been the place where people come to test new products, test new services, actors come here to flatten their American dialect because Columbus, Ohio has the flattest dialect in America. So if you're from the UK and you need to play an American, you come here and listen to us and learn how to speak. Um, but and he just knew that fact. Like right off <laughs> we did not even
1: quiz him, like, hey, make sure you study this about before you come. He didn't even get to see his itinerary. He this just, is the stuff that Jake reads, reads on a weeknight.
2: Right? Yeah. Well when you when you love the city you start to learn things and you talk to people who know different facts and you kind of appropriate them into your own uh, into your own world. Yeah, definitely. It's so awesome. Columbus has a lot of things going for it. Um, and it's a very collaborative city people here really genuinely want to help each other, very nice people. Um, It's very low as far as cost of living goes versus the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. So building a business here, the economics work out a lot better. Um, When you you have a business that requires headcount, people, you really raise your overhead. And so those people need to have a cost of living, you need to have office space, all that's cheaper in Columbus, Ohio. So Chase also has a pretty significant presence in Columbus. So all of those things considered, we made a pretty good um, base for them to do that. Also, this is not a trivial fact, we've been doing Startup Weekend here in Columbus since 2009. We're one of the, long, the longest-standing communities to do that program, and we've gotten it down really, really well. So the, the people that they had board, on board... Planning, doing the lead planning last year, have been doing Startup Weekend and involved with the community here a very long time. So Mm -hmm. it made a lot of sense from all angles, really.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, in one of the Startup Week talks last night, they kept asking um, the guest, one of the keynote speakers, Will Schroeder at the time, why they don't think Columbus is on the map yet as a startup city. And what kept coming to my mind is, I just don't really see why anybody cares. You know, I, I think, why does it have to be on the map where we have... Ohio State University, some of the smartest people in the world coming out of this college, if you draw a 500-mile radius around the city, you get access to, I forget what it is, like 60% of the United States or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, who cares if we have a name around not? It is what it is. We've got the resources. So what's your kind of take on that? Do you feel like it has to be a Silicon Valley reputation in order to make it work?
2: I think that's a very astute observation, and I have a very similar opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people ask, how do we become the next Silicon Valley? And that's the wrong question to ask, fundamentally. It Mm -hmm. should be, how do we become the best Columbus that we can be? You see a lot of things happen in the Midwest where you take a concept that is successful in one place, usually one of the coasts, east or west coast, Y Combinator versus Techstars, whatever. And you take a successful concept and people in the Midwest try to just copy it and do the same thing in their communities and make a derivative of it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that works, usually it doesn't. What that's doing is finding a concept that is hot somewhere else and trying to apply it into an economy and a place where it just doesn't necessarily lend itself. And to be the next Silicon Valley just isn't necessarily what we want. Why, why would we want to raise our cost of living? Uh, I mean, there are certainly positive aspects. The, the, the density of talent and intelligence is something you want in any city. Mm-hmm. But at what cost, you know? And there's a lot of things that Columbus is really good at and growing towards and to say we want to focus on tech I think is just naive and short-sighted or for just very narrow focused I think we should be our own city and find our own thing in fact that's what's really exciting to me about Columbus and why I get involved in things in the community like the the create Columbus commission is you know if you want to act you go to LA Mm -hmm. if you want to be in theater you go to New York There is no classification yet for Columbus where I want to do this, Columbus is the place to do that. Mm -hmm. You may look at that as a shortcoming, and maybe that's kind of fair right now. However, we're like, we are the biggest city in the United States that does not have a light rail system. We're one of the fastest growing cities in the United States, and I forget the number. It's like the 13th largest city in the United States or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to inevitably get there. It's a destination city. And right now it's just a destination city for young professionals, people that are talented and bright. And so to be a part of that conversation now and be a part of a city that's growing to find its classification, I think is very exciting for Mm -hmm. people of our generation because there are people in the city that you can have access to that the same level of people in other cities you have no chance speaking to or getting a meeting with until you are at some level that you're probably just not at. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an exciting place to be. In an exciting time i think mm-hmm.
0: yeah i completely agree with that you know and i don't know if i've ever told you this but i'm from san diego california mm-hmm. and there's a big reason i didn't go back to california is because a lot of things you just said but um you know i think one comment that we heard a lot last night was that you know silicon valley san francisco type areas it's unsustainable you've got a lot of people coming in and you know all these what they call unicorns you know with the tech industry and i'm not sure that those unicorns are all going to turn out to uh end at the top of their game. I think a lot of them are going to be revealed. Someone, say, someone put it this way. I think a lot of them are going to be revealed as horses with a horn tied on their head.
1: And, and, you know, I think what's cool about Columbus to kind of turn that into more um, of statement is, like, you know, we're building businesses here that I think are real businesses. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like we're creating this cloud and you hear everybody talk about, you know, it's like these big bubble. But I think if a bubble bursts, I don't think it's going to be bursting in Columbus. And I want to hear your opinion on that because I think, like, you know like cross checks and cover my meds and these are the big ones that are popping my head and I'm sure you have a lot more they they're really sustainable businesses that are building returns and they're not just getting huge valuations you know
2: well i am i'm in the tech world i never profess to be the smartest person in tech and i was not really paying attention when the first bubble burst in the 2000s but i do have opinions mm-hmm. and what i would say is in the midwest we just haven't had the luxury of unreasonable multiples and access to capital on a lot of, frankly, speculation. So Mm -hmm. in the Valley, there's a lot of capital going towards early-stage companies, and a lot of it is being pushed there because of FOMO, or fear of missing out on investments Mm -hmm. that they're hearing (laughs) that, like, i got to get into this now. Mm -hmm. And here in Columbus and in the Midwest, it's always been paramount for you to have traction and market fit and clear revenue streams to build a sustainable business. And so a lot of the criticism here in the Midwest is investors here just don't get it. They don't understand that it's a game of eyeballs and finding and getting a lot of users and contact information so you can monetize that later for advertisers or whoever. We never had that luxury and I don't know if that's ever really going to pan out for a lot of the companies that have had that luxury. Mm -hmm. Um, For every one Snapchat there are dozens of snapchat twos that there's no reason for you to hear about and so you haven't heard about them because they crashed and burned and lost a lot of people's money Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but a lot of that money at the same time in silicon valley was made by individuals in the early 2000s people who got out of the tech crisis or the the first bust but they won in that equation Mm -hmm. there were plenty of people who lost people that won got these giant windfalls that they want to give back to. And since they made those windfalls in Silicon Valley, a lot of them are giving it back in that same area. But it doesn't make them sophisticated investors. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't guarantee that they're making the right bets. There are some wildly successful people like Chris Saka, um, Mark Schuster, Dave McClure done really well. But the people who just have money and want to give back, which is a noble cause, but they don't necessarily bet on the right horses the bubble's going to burst for them. Mm-hmm. And the bubble's going to burst for the tech companies that have very high valuations and very high expectations and high headcounts. And people with families and lives that they're paying and those people are betting on those companies, the bubble's going to burst for them. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be some sort of national or global uh, repercussion for this bubble bursting. And maybe it won't happen at all, but it's, it's I'm not afraid of it, and I personally am not holding the Midwest accountable for not taking those same economics and same philosophies. Mm-hmm. And I'm again, I'm also just not a tech expert. <laughs> those yeah, are just yeah. my humble opinions here in Columbus, Ohio.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, and, and Mike knows a lot more about this than I do, but I think the term bubble burst is used, you know, a couple different times with the internet and then it was used with the real estate market crash, which was so, those things were so intertwined with the rest of the economy that it just sent ripple effects and, you know, I mean, really put us on our knees, but I don't think that the startup community is that intertwined at this point to where, like you said, it'll have...
0: Right, so what a, lot, a lot of what happened in, when the bubble burst in 2000, 2001 for the internet was that um, companies that, like you said, had really high valuations but weren't making money, well, they ran out of money.
1: Mm-hmm. And oh. then,
0: no one, there was no funding left, no one wanted to fund them and they collapsed. And that caused kind of like a chain reaction and then people were scared so they started uninvesting from these companies that had gone public. And that's brought a lot of people down.
2: And, and the other point of that is, those companies that made a lot of money at that time mm-hmm. were going through IPOs yeah. and the whole public was investing their money into these companies and saying, we think you're worth this and we're paying for this for your stock and they made a lot of millionaires out of nothing. Absolutely. And right now, these companies that are valued very, very highly, they get these high valuations, they get a lot of this funding. But they haven't proven the real value at, yet, and so they're not prepared to go to an IPO, and they're not going to an IPO. You mm-hmm. Even look at Uber. Uber's raised a Series D. It's been ideated they're they're going to IPO for the last like three years, and they haven't done it. And a lot of their customer or not customers, a lot of their uh, employees have basis points of stock or whatever, and they're saying, "One we IPO, I'm going to make a pretty nice bonus." And they've been working there for years and years, and have gone past expectation of where they think they're going to be. But if you're raising a Series D, think about the economics of that. You are Uber, you have several founding partners that you split the equity up to, you're giving basis points to employees, and you're giving even more to investors. So to make a return that's going to make you wealthy after you've raised billions, literally billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. you would have to create a company that is adding, you know, 50 to 100 billion dollars of value to the world economy. And if you're not doing that, you're not ready to IPO or it's going to be a down round or they're they're just waiting for you to recoup that investment through revenue. And I don't know if it's going to happen, frankly. For a lot of those companies, it's not. So a lot of employees and investors are chained to these still private companies holding on to equity that still isn't really worth anything because there's no liquidation to it. And then you get into a time value of money mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. So I don't, I don't know how it will all work out. It's interesting to watch from my my safe home. but (laughs) 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 where in Columbus where 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 longer have. actually has to work. (laughs) Yeah, and I no longer have debt or uh, anything owed to investors. It's, you know, I got my popcorn ready but uh, at the same time, you know, I hope a lot of companies do well. I don't want people to fail. It just to me, the economics don't make a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense and yeah, I think that's a rabbit hole you can talk for hours We kind of circle it back to Columbus in general. Um, One thing that you touched on in that last question was how we kind of stay authentic to ourselves and it's cool that you can come here and you can kind of find out you don't have to be you know an actor to come here it's that we don't have a one particular brand and our it seems like our brand is columbus right now is just coming finding yourself you know throw yourself in the city experiment figure out who you want to be and then grow and i know you talk about that a lot personally so talk about kind of and i know that people can look up on your website and they can see your ted talks you don't have to go into detail about it but a little bit about Um, building your own personal brand, how you've been able to do that for yourself and how you feel that's helped you Hmm. throughout college and up to this point in your career now.
2: I have been blessed that I have kind of followed a trail of... It's like Lemony Snicket's books, except it's a series of very fortunate events Mm -hmm. through my entire college experience to now. Mm -hmm. And it started with the freshman year of college. I was in journalism... Or at least I was trending towards journalism. And the spring quarter, we were still in quarters at the time on Ohio State. The spring quarter, my schedule actually had my weekend starting on a Wednesday evening. And so Wednesday evening was my weekend. I had Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, that's a weekend. Bad. Every week, all spring <laughs> i got to talk to my job now, see so if we can get that worked out. It was amazing. And so the flip side of that was I was living in, a, in an honor storm. So how many other kids in an honors dorm do you think were not doing homework on a Wednesday or Thursday night, if not Friday or Saturday? So I was very lucky that the two individuals who shared a common wall with me in my dorm had both started businesses when they were in high school. Mm -hmm. One of them was a web developer, and the other one had started a landscaping business. Both very, very intelligent people, Um, both in like uh, pre-med Ochem classes, crazy. But they were just very, very smart. They put up with me coming into their room and talking with them and uh, maybe drinking and <laughs> <laughs> pitching pitching ideas. And I didn't, I was just one of those guys, you know, that's like, oh, I got an app idea. Everyone had an app idea back then. Yeah. So I was pitching stuff to them. At one time, I pitched a horrible idea that was an app that I've heard a million times since at Startup Weekends. And it was an app so that students could stay more engaged during lectures. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in college, you're thinking very small ideas. You're thinking things you know. You're thinking college applications. There's no market for college students. Besides the point. Um, They said, oh, you should pitch that at the Business Builders Club, which was the entrepreneurship club at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. So I sent in an application for this thing that I've never heard of. I got accepted to pitch in the final pitches, which I thought was just a given, because I just at that point hadn't faced any adversity really or lost anything. So I was like, yeah, if I send in an application, I'm gonna get it, right? That's how that's how the world works. So try Wait, something again. Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you tell me there's adversity in <laughs> <for> life.
2: <laughs> so I got into this pitch competition and I got the unlucky draw of going first of seven groups. Now the way this pitch competition worked was you didn't get to watch the pitches until you had pitched. So I went in first and I was just ready to go. I had made this video to illustrate my problem. I said, my pitch is gonna be different, it's not gonna be a PowerPoint deck, it's gonna be two minutes of a video where I do interviews with my users, and I didn't call them these terms at the time because I didn't know them. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna do interviews with the college students, and I'm gonna show my problem through their answers in this PowerPoint slide. So I go in there and I pull up the slide deck that I had sent to the organizer But when I built the deck, the video file was stored on my computer. So when I played PowerPoint from my computer, it pulled the file from the source of my hard drive. When I emailed the PowerPoint, it did not have a video tied to it. Didn't know these things. So I opened my presentation. It went to the video slide. No video played because it wasn't hosted externally. It was just pulling from my computer. So now I'm two minutes short on my presentation and didn't have my whole... Hand ready for me. Mm-hmm. So I tried to explain to the judges what the video was and then go into my pitch. Not as effective. It wasn't a good pitch anyway. The judges tore me apart. I was just devastated, did not know what had just happened to me. But then I got to watch six other pitches mm-hmm. because I went first. And those pitches were phenomenal. They were individuals and teams who were doing incredible, big thinking ideas outside of college, making revenue. And I just couldn't believe people my age were doing that. And so at that time, I kind of sat back and I said, I love writing and I love journalism, but I am writing about people doing cool things and I could be doing cool things. So I got into that. We're thinking now how we got into this conversation. Right, got it. So after I kind of. Then you're like, man, my weekends on a Wednesday are going to end. No, it was still great. It was still great for those nine weeks. But uh, after I drank that Kool-Aid, I couldn't really go back. And so I kept going to more of those entrepreneurship meetings and meeting more individuals. And then I had my next idea. Mm -hmm. This idea for a marketplace to sell uh, books and tickets for ISA students, the market OSU. I applied for a grant, they said, we don't fund ideas like this, these aren't actually helping the city, it was a grant to like help the city be more sustainable. They said, here's 75 bucks, go to Startup Weekend. So I took the money and I bought a ticket to Startup Weekend and I went, and I did not pitch that idea at all. I pitched several ideas, got zero votes of confidence from the crowd, and joined a team of the one person that I knew at that weekend and four others. And um, one of the women that came up to me and joined our team eventually, she said, I really liked your ideas. You should have tried harder to get votes. And I was like, oh, this is very nice. I don't know you, and you said a very nice thing, and I feel very comfortable, and thank you. <laughs> and so we built an app that weekend, and let me know if this story's going too long, but... No, it's good. We built an app that weekend called ManCard, and it was sort of an Instagram-like feed that uh, were photos that you could post of your friends doing manly or unmanly things and you had kind of Reddit up votes or down votes.
1: Oh dude, I got so many mic in so many <laughs> unmanly yeah, things.
2: Yeah, and those votes tied to a manliness score that you turned your phone sideways, you had your man card, you had a score, there was a leaderboard. We it was it was awesome. And it was awesome because our team was fantastic. Yeah. S- since then, those two developers on my team went and started their own company, which is still running in Cincinnati called Listener. Okay. Very successful. Um, one of them has since left and started another very successful company. that has gone through the brand and It's gotten a million dollars or so in funding. Awesome. Um, the woman on my team, Susie, is one of my best friends and a mentor, frankly. She's working at My Meds now. I was a very employ- early employee there. And the designer, um, he's off in D.C. working for a very well-known design firm. So Rockstar team. Mm-hmm. We left that weekend. We got an article in TechCrunch. It's actually very funny cuz the writer of that article he was at Stripe week this past week or this today actually.
1: Yeah, that I saw that.
2: And so it's it's just good to have parallel lives with people that have impacted you so strongly several years ago. But uh, so we launched that, went through that. I got some confidence in how to start something. Started Market OSU um, on my own actually. convinced a coworker when I was working at the law college, he was in the IT department. Convinced him to help me build it with his brother and launched that, hustled that. Um, sorry, what was the original question? When did I get here? Man. How, story, how I, I got involved. No, I got so wrapped up. How I There it is. I think, I think it's how I got involved in the community. So, oh, very... and Okay, so what this did, mm-hmm. I was trying to get to the point of Susie, mm-hmm. who was the woman on the scene that gave me that vote of confidence. She told me when I was... 19 or so years old when we're working on man card. she told me that the key to growing and succeeding in, in this in this city mm-hmm. was to get my face in front of people in this in these rooms that it needed to be continuously because mm-hmm. then it kind of creates this positive feedback loop of people expect you there people then want you there mm-hmm. and you're just there and you get invited to these things and so without really understanding how impactful that advice was I just began doing that and I began getting invitations to events that I just had no business being at, and I would go. I'd be uncomfortable about going, and I would go. Mm-hmm. And I'd always be glad that I did. I'd always meet someone new um, that could help. And it was just this stair-stepping effect. So one of the first things we did was we went and got dinner with Will Schroeder of fundablenowstartups.co. He brought his business partner, and I had applied for an internship with their company, Fundable, that hadn't even launched yet. Mm-hmm. Applied through a university program, we met with them at dinner. They said, "Yeah, we've been really busy. About to launch this. I've got a stack of interviews or a stack of resumes this thick, like two inches thick, that I haven't even looked through for our intern." And I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm in with that stack." And they said, "You're hired." <laughs> and that's just how the world works, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you shortcut processes by knowing people, and I've just done that over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. through everything that I've done. I've. Constantly tried to fight above my weight class go with places that I don't belong in and fit in Mm -hmm. and That served me very very well Mm
1: -hmm. and then You said something really cool there and I kind of wrote it down putting yourself in uncomfortable places so you can grow and one of the themes that we kind of want um, Our whole brand for Conquering Columbus represent is just like living uncomfortably and then putting yourself in positions where you know at the moment, you know, you're gonna go in there You're gonna feel awkward. You might stand by yourself in a corner for a minute you know at the end of it something good is gonna come out of it you know so how did you kind of go into those situations and try to make sure that you got the most out of them every time did you have always have a goal in mind or was it kind of just i'm gonna throw myself against the wall a couple times and hopefully somebody catches me
2: it's 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 hard man to think about this because um every one of them has been unique but i am and this would surprise a lot of people who know me i think that don't know me completely i'm an introvert and I go out to these events all the time. I love talking to people and I love meeting people, but I get very exhausted doing it. Mm-hmm. So even the prospect of going to these events sometimes is very uh, uh, intimidating to me. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go, I have this conversation internally of I should do this, I should do this. If I don't do this, I'm going to do this instead and I'm not going to remember doing that. It's not going to impact me in any way. And there's never, or at least not usually, an immediate return on these events or these Mm -hmm. chance meetings it's usually something that has an eight month long tail that you couldn't even anticipate or even tie back to that meeting but nonetheless was impacted by that meeting so i have always just talked myself into doing it and once you're there there's no reason to not be present and not meet those people so i go and something you just learn to do is establish a rapport immediately with anyone you meet and it could be because you find a mutual interest it could be because you read a lot um, or talk to a lot of people, and like me, I've just developed a pretty shallow but incredibly wide understanding of a lot of subjects. Mm-hmm. So anytime someone mentions just about anything, I can talk to it a little bit or at least tie it to something that I can talk to a little bit, and it makes everybody comfortable and um, Once you then begin being the conduit at those meetings where you're talking to somebody, someone who is just as uncomfortable as you once were comes up and wants to join your circle and meet people, you can be the person that introduces those two people. Mm -hmm. You've created a connection. That's really powerful. And you don't know how that will affect the two of them. And rewarding, too. I mean, it feels good, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Absolutely. Super, super rewarding. And it makes everybody comfortable. People appreciate that. I generally try to talk the least in any group setting and learn the most, mm-hmm. and that's a skill in itself that I didn't intentionally put together until recently. But mm-hmm. it's it's valuable to 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 have your face there, meet people, be genuine.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I that yeah, <laughs> you know that's about hitting the nail on the head, I think. And uh, you know, for anyone out there that is wants to be a part of any community it doesn't have to be Columbus startup community it can be any sort of business community any sort of friend group anything you want to meet the the hardest part is getting there wouldn't you say mm-hmm.
2: it's yeah. just showing up yeah and, and then but people it, will reach out to you yeah and then and it is a positive feedback loop and it's exponential
1: and i think the the bubble breaks at one point that's a terrible reference we're talking about bubble break but like you <laughs> get back on exit the bubble, velocity <laughs> whatever what's it called when you like you're bending metal and then there's a point there's like a point where it bends all the way Yes, just, Josh doesn't know what he's talking about. I he's see the, like how people know a lot of things about a little. I know just a lot. No, I know nothing about nothing. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> so anyways, there's a there's Guys, a point. Don't fight. There's a point. There's a point in these um thing then these meetings that you go to or these networking events and things though where like It doesn't become so awkward anymore, is what I'm saying. Like, there is a breaking point. Because you get there and you start seeing a couple people a couple times and you got friends there and then the snowball effect takes over, you know.
2: Then you run into a whole new set of problems, though. So this evening I was at a networking event. Had a very long day, very tired. Um, And I wanted to gravitate towards people I know, as anyone would. But I intrinsically know I should be talking and meeting more people. Mm. And I just don't want to do it. And I know that some people will come and meet me because they'll have heard of me or know me. And I can kind of alleviate my own guilt thinking that way. But it's not uh, it's not the best course of action. So then you have to kind of fight that. Because if, if, if you do have a sort of critical mass of people that you know and are friends with, you will just have a constant stream of people at your meeting and very excited to see and very excited to talk to and that will take your social hit points down to zero for the day, especially mm-hmm. if you're an introvert, and not want to go and meet new people and put yourself out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost try to make like a number when I go to things like that. Like, I want to meet like three new people and learn as much about them as I can. Because if I go there and I don't pick a number, I try to meet everybody in the room and they learn nothing about any of them and none of it's genuine. And I don't want to have ungenuine relationships with people. And then if I go there and I like... I'd maybe sometimes I sit by myself and I'm like, all right, I'm out. I got to go home. I got
0: work to do. You know, like I'm not getting enough out of this. Right. I think three is a good number. Two two or three. Yeah. And if you put a number on it, uh, constantly reaching out. And I think, like you said, reaching out to new people, you never know where someone's going to be eight months, a year, two years down the road. And maybe you impact them or maybe you run into them and it helps you out in some way. So yeah, definitely. Um, I think constantly putting yourself in front of new people is mm-hmm. a very key mm-hmm. part of business and life. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So now let's kind of jump into.
1: Um, Kind of getting to the end here, and we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing today with Tixers and kind of um, how that company's unraveled for you, kind of how you got into it, how it's unraveled the last year or two, and what's going on today with it.
2: Sure. Um, I met the founder, Alex, of Tixers as I was about to exit college. He knew about the BBC, the Business Builders Club, which I was running at the time, because he grew up with somebody that ran the club a few years prior. Mm Mm-hmm. So he reached out to me because he knew he would need to hire somebody. He wanted them to be talented. He kind of wanted them to be cheap, um, as any startup really does. And I met with him, and I thought, well, we're about to do a startup career fair. I will meet with him, sell him on this, make some money for the club, have an opportunity for the students. It'll be great. I met with him, and it was a marketplace concept he had, a digital marketplace for tickets. I had done Market OSU, which sold a lot of football and basketball tickets through the website i thought that i knew something about marketplaces i really didn't um but i thought that i brought that to the table and it was just the level of opportunity that i wanted right it was i could come on i could be a part owner i could see the beginning of the product i could see the product launch after i have an accelerator i would have a front row seat to the fundraising mm-hmm. um and then really growing the business. So I was really excited about that without having to put any financial risk myself into it.
1: And did you own any portion of Marketplace or How did that work? Like I owned never, all of it. Oh, you owned all Almost of it. all
2: of it. I mean, my developers owned a piece. We never made any real meaningful revenue off of it. Mm-hmm. We, it was very much a peer-to-peer marketplace where the impetus of meeting the buyer and seller was on themselves. Mm-hmm. And so there was no like, intermediary where we collect a payment in between because it would be hard to verify that... The goods were collected and satisfied.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What we made money on was selling advertising space. And um, later on, my senior year in housing, I could go to landlords and get listings for their properties on the site and have them pay for that, which had some real legs because it was right before the se- the sophomore mandate at Ohio State where students had to live on campus through their sophomore year. Mm-hmm. The, the landlords were really afraid at that time um, of being able to fill their vacancies. So I made some money on that and that was nice, but uh, Tixers was a completely different ballgame.
1: Hmm.
2: I came in. um,
1: Are you still running Market OSU now? What's that done for?
2: It still operates. It operates on its own. We Mm -hmm. build it very bare bones, very... uh, You get a lot of utility out of it. There was not a whole lot on the back end as far as collecting user information and being able to parse by year or take people out of the database once Mm -hmm. they graduated. Mm -hmm. Uh, It operates and people can still post things and meet each other and buy things, but there's no real maintenance being done, no growth. So people use it. There's there's a student at Ohio State now doing a similar concept on mobile and I kind of mentor him and talk him through the problems that I saw and how I would operate it now, especially having some more marketplace knowledge. Mm. But um, so it, it still exists. Uh, Tixers, as it was, I came on, we launched the first version of the website as Alex got out of the accelerator in Covington called UpTech. I came on that month We hired a CTO shortly after, um, he built for us for a while, had some life happen and moved back to San Francisco. So we began building the website through contract work, which was, uh, difficult, cheaper, but it's one of those things where it's like cheaper, but at what cost, you know, um, because so, when
1: it comes to code, and I know nothing about development, isn't it hard to maintain other people's code and to mix it together and things like that? Very difficult.
2: Very there's difficult. There's something called tech debt, where if you're not building uh, smoothly, it's kind of like building a house of cards it has got Band-Aids all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not efficient code. It's not smooth. It gets the job done, but not done well. Um, it has all these points where load will break it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the onboarding period, frankly, takes a long time for new contractors. So it took some time. Uh, We we started building out the product, and we raised investment in July of 2014. In November of 2014, we formed a strategic partnership with Xavier University in Cincinnati that they saw a lot of benefit from. We got some really great data from it. Um, They were a great partner. Alex went to Xavier, so he had some good connections there. Through that relationship, we met an individual who had a relationship to one of Sports um, so we started talking with them, and we saw some real synergy and how we could integrate our technology with theirs, and how that could really benefit both partners. Mm-hmm. So after some months of negotiation, we closed that deal in March of twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. um, and so we've been operating as a one up sports property since then. Cool, very cool.
0: Yeah, so you know, one thing that I was always kind of well, I was wondering about was which do you prefer working as as CEO, kind of working with a company or being a founder.
2: Uh, to me, my experience with Tixers, there was no discernible difference. Hmm. It was nominal in name only. Uh, Alex and I have been in the trenches together almost since day one. The product that we have now is unrecognizable from what the original product was that launched out of Uptech. Actually, small world fun fact, the first version of our website was built by the same developer who I worked with on ManCard who just happened to be a mutual friend of ours. So fascinating oh. story how that worked out. But That's cool. There's those
0: connections coming back? Yeah, yeah like small well. World kind of thing.
2: It's it's super small world and it was it was great that way and he he's really helped us a lot. But um do we still start on the Wednesday then? Is that still working? Like <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> weekends never really start <laughs> What's the weekend. Yeah, yeah. what's a weekend? Uh, yeah, so it was it was, it was I felt like a co-founder the entire time. Alex has called me a co-founder. I've just never felt it completely accurate or correct to take that title myself. Um, I've always referred to him as my partner. Um, And I hope he feels the same. I think he does, but, (laughs) you
1: know. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I think we got some great stuff out of this, and I think we'd definitely have you on again in the future if you're down for it to talk more about all the stuff you're doing in the startup community and maybe dive more into, like, Startup Weekend and your experiences with that, because I know there's... Some awesome stuff going on there and uh, you can go ahead and throw in a plug in. There's one coming up
2: soon, right? Yeah, uh, I mean I don't know if this event or this podcast will be out by the time that is, but oh, we Yeah, that's a good point. We, <laughs> Jay's two steps ahead of the course. Yeah, The exciting thing, I'll just talk about what's exciting to me about this this weekend. Yeah. Um, Columbus is one of seven finalists in a US Department of Transportation grant that's mm-hmm. worth upwards of forty million dollars for Ooh. smart city initiatives. And so a Startup Weekend, we are planning... First up, get Mike out. <laughs> and this goes back to my point, right? If we're the largest metropolitan area that doesn't have a light rail in the United States. And yeah. we're very fast growing. Mm-hmm. So how do we use technology to anticipate where trends are going and help ease not only just the transportation load, but getting uh, people from communities outside of the central metropolitan area into places where they can work and live and et cetera, waste management, um, water systems. But we're excited because, uh, we've just begun doing themed events here in Columbus Mm -hmm. where every idea pitched has to be around this theme. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to do a themed event this time around smart city. So I'm excited to see what ideas come out of that and how it can actually impact the city and also add some thunder to our, uh, Uh, fire thunder to our fire thunder thunder to our efforts from a city's perspective for this grant Um, super exciting but if I were to give a plug um, I would say uh, go to jklaus.com read some of the stuff on my journal if you like it sign up for the email list you can't miss it on there if you don't don't worry about it um I like to write. Getting back into writing has been very therapeutic for me.
1: Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, I tried uh, to start writing a blog like as we're doing this podcast and it is, it's is—it's awesome to kind of get, even if nobody reads them, it's just nice to get your mm-hmm. authentic thoughts out and to teach yourself to be, for me, it was hard to be more vulnerable. You know, you don't want to be open to criticism, which I think is something, another thing you mm-hmm. could probably talk about hours about because you've seemed to have been able to do it your entire life mm-hmm. and yeah. really open yourself up. And I think you achieve so much more. If you're scared to open yourself up, I think that you hold yourself back from your
0: potential so much. Absolutely. Hey, and, um, you know, guys, don't you don't need to go read Josh's blogs because yeah, they I won't, suck. I not want to throw but a plug in if there. you want to go read Jay's blog, there will be links in the description for the episode and the show notes. We'll have links to everything, including his website, uh, startup, weekend, all that sort of thing. And, um, Josh, you got any key takeaways for this episode for the listeners?
1: Yeah, I got, I got like four or five key things that I wrote down um, while Jay was talking. I think it was awesome. I think to start off, number one, towards the beginning of the episode, Columbus is a place you can find yourself. We don't have to be racing to be next Silicon Valley. I think that was awesome. I think putting yourself in un- uncomfortable places so that you can grow is huge, and I think that's um, a big thing that we want to represent as this podcast goes on. Um, I think investing in the long run and not always doing things for the immediate return, whether it's going to a networking event or it's how you're looking at your life. You know, it's not... It's not always about playing um, the immediate short game. You know, it's about looking out 10, 15 years and figuring out where you want to be and who you want to be. And then I think it was cool to kind of hear a series of fortunate events. And you said you almost seem like you make it seem like you got lucky. And in a sense, that's a really humble way to put it. But in the big scheme of things, it's obvious from sitting down and talking with you that it's the type of personality that you are and putting yourself in uncomfortable events and being conscious about what's coming in the future, good things will happen to you. You know, you know, maybe not immediately. Maybe you'll fall on your face a couple times, but I think in the long run, you know, you're gonna you're gonna reap the benefits because good things happen to good people.
2: I, I think a misconception is that you're constantly going to make these life changing decisions, like this A versus B, and it's a big decision. Really, in reality, you're going to be making very small step by step decision decisions, and if they're consistent and going trending towards a certain path you're better off going that way and that's kind of the series that i was talking about you just take one step at a time mm-hmm. you don't know how they're going to tie back but you feel like they're trending in the same direction and you know if it ties back it it will and if it doesn't it doesn't but mm-hmm. it's hard to take a step that's a negative mm-hmm.
1: yeah actually i heard a quote today that said tornadoes and hurricanes get all the publicity but termites do the, do more damage which i scientifically i'm i Probably not correct. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think statistically that's correct at all. But it's cool, and I'm gonna pretend like it's correct because I like the idea of that slight edge, small steps moving forward. But um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. And you know, I personally I want to say thanks again, Jay, for taking your time out. This is awesome. I think a lot of our uh, listener base will get a lot out of this. And uh, Mike can go ahead and sign us off, conquering Columbus. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, that's uh, Jay Klaus. Working with the great Columbus Commission and Columbus Startup Weekend along with Tixers. And I'm Mike. If you like this episode, go ahead and head over to Facebook. Give us a like, Conquering Columbus. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter for tons of info around from around Columbus. And share it with your friends. And then if you have any
1: negative feedback, I don't want to hear it about myself, but you can <laughs> leave it about Mike personally.
0: There's much <laughs> negative feedback. I- Hey, leave it on my page so I can Instagram all your comments about what oh, like, You could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in, in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear.
1: I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost.